Hello, and welcome to Sobertown Podcast. I'm your host, Viv, and some of you know me as Sober I Thrive. Make sure to visit our website on SobertownPodcast.com. You will find our free Zoom calendars, Todd's modules for your sober toolbox, sober recovery stories, and our link to the Sobertown Facebook group on SobertownPodcast.com. I'll chat with guests and community members about topics related to sobriety and recovery. There are also a couple of sober communities called Boom, Rethink the Drink, and the I Am Sober app, where most of our website contributors met for SobertownPodcast.com. Hello, Sobertown. We have a very special guest. Some of you know her as Ashley Bear on IAS. Some of you have heard her recovery story, episode 128, When Sobertown Began. And some of you know her as the founder and creator of Potentialize Studio. I would like to present to you Ashley. Ashley, how are you doing today? I am doing very, very well. How are you? I'm doing awesome, awesome. I was telling Ashley, I wanted the listeners to to know, she was one of the first brave souls on Sobertown. It was my first episode that I turned on and I listened to her with Deborah, with Deb King, and I thought, what an inspiration of this young, beautiful woman, given her recovery story date. So I'm really excited to have you here. Thank you so much. Thank you. It's really a pleasure to be back. I can't believe that probably would have been like at least two years ago now, I think, that 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 aired and that that went on. So it's really crazy to think back to that time. Um, I think in that moment, I had just done a year. I was just about to accomplish my year. And so here we are kind of three years later. My journey has not been linear and there's definitely been some some ups and downs, but I'm I'm definitely doing well and in a really good place right now. Well, I think it's, you know what my belief is, this is my personal opinion, that there is no linear journey. We don't wake up one morning and decide, oh, you know what, that's it. Or else the journey wouldn't be the journey, right? And we'll just be very disappointed, right? Because then we have all these expectations and of course nothing goes to plan. And like I I think one of my favorite authors says shoulds are shit. And it's so true. It's like I should do this or I should have this linear journey or I should have and string together all of these days and years, et cetera. And it's like kind of shit because I didn't and I'm still in a good place. But I think even with the relapses that I've had, I've learned so, so much and genuinely needed those in this journey to kind of make it to where I am. Yeah, it's a beautiful thing to just exactly what you said, the shoulds are shit. And also... I think that relapses are actually data points. Relapses are prolapses. I've heard that's how we find out who we are and we just get back up. So that's beautiful. So catch us up. 
give us a little bit of a synopsis of the episode 128 yeah and then catch us up because you've been you've been doing some amazing stuff woman i'll try and remember everything so since then so i did my year and my year was like in you know people say there's like a pink cloud i honestly feel like some people have it for like a month or two months i feel like i had it for a year like i was just like on cloud nine i was like this is the best ever <laughs> like i felt good i felt healthy I had been in a really kind of bad spot at that point, just with my mental health. It was like the height of COVID. I broke up with my fiance of seven years. Like when it rains, it pours and it did. And then my drinking just got so bad. So, so bad. And then I had to basically, I got to a point where I had to give it up. And that's when I did my year of sobriety. And so it was just like this light in all of this darkness that really inspired me so much and very quickly I was met with like community and other people like me which is super helpful because in my own personal life I don't think I would have found that of course I could have gone to a meeting but I just didn't have the wherewithal of the resources or even the knowledge to know that those things had existed yet so long story short I won't go over that because the first podcast features a lot of what that year looked like but after that I think there was an expectation. And again, another author of mine says expectations are resentments waiting to happen. And there was this expectation that like after a year, things would just get easier, better. I don't know, something. And it wasn't there. It didn't exist. And I was like, well, I want to like have fun again. And I don't want to keep on working. And like, this is great. I did a year, but I'm also, how old was I then? 31 years old. Like I'm young still. I need to like, do these things. And and then also simultaneously, there's a bit of those thoughts, but those wouldn't have been enough to kind of like bring me to the point of drinking. What was was like I went through there was a friend that was just being like very hurtful. And if, after I had asked them to kind of like, you know, stop what I felt like bullying me at that time, like they had continued to do so. And I just like, I don't think I had built any tools in that year to really manage what is at the crux of, I think, a lot of my drinking, which is like being able to manage my emotions. And so like something hurtful like that really was enough to set me over the edge. And like it wasn't even kind of like a thought. It was just a, like, I can't do this. I can't feel this. I need to shut this off. And the only way I knew how was to pick up a drink. Yeah. And we want to mute the emotions. Yes. And at and that time, that's literally all I knew. Like I was like, meditation's not going to work right now. Like that's just not going to cut it with how I'm feeling. And so it was almost like in that year, like I, I must have been tested, but just not to this point. And I had started a new job, and I wasn't eating properly, and I was so like all of the things that I knew I had to do to maintain my my sobriety had also let go of as well. So there's just kind of a lot, and like. And that's sometimes what happens, right? And so, like, I think the lesson in that relapse was just, like, that routine is so important for me. Eating properly, getting enough food, exercising, those are really critical. But I pretty quickly, like, got rid of alcohol again. Like, I, I kind of, like, was like, nope, this is not what I want, and I cut it out. So I was really happy about that. It happened quickly, but it wasn't without its, like, consequences. Like, my drinking did get really bad really quickly really bad really quickly and then and it was probably like a few weeks later I was like whoa 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 this needs to stop because if I continue this I end up in the same spot I was a year ago 
if not worse, and probably dead with the way that I was drinking. Like it was really just that, that bad. It was out of control. Like there was no control, even after a year of sobriety. So like I clean, cleaned up again, got rid of the alcohol, whatever you want to call it. And like, I mean, I had made so many good connections, like I said, in the community, right? So there was more than enough people that are like, Ashley, get your butt back on these meetings. Like, do what you know you need to do. And we all know, though, that like as much as that is helpful, it really does still come down to like you really need to want it. And I think I did at that point. So I forget where we were kind of within the calendar year, but I know that I, I put down the drink and I cleaned up and I was just like really right back on track for probably about six months and then summer hit. And I was like, you know what? Like, I'm really feeling pretty good. I like, I think at that time I got another therapist. I was just like working on some, what I thought were like really like critical pieces. So then I was like, maybe I want to be like sober curious and just like drink casually. And my counselor, who is an addiction specialist and counselor was like, yeah, that's fine. Like if that's what you want the goal to be, we can work towards that. And I think there's this big notion around like harm reduction now where it's like if you could at least reduce it like you're still kind of better off but that idea went away pretty quickly and and not that I started drinking again I just knew in my heart of hearts like that's not gonna work like I mean I tried I it's not like what I picked up when I had my relapse I thought I was gonna go back to this crazy drinking I thought I was gonna have a couple of drinks get over it and then you know be back on the horse the next day just like not the way that my brain is wired. Like for me, it's like all or nothing. And it's like, it's, and when it's all, it's a lot. And so, yeah, I, I kind of quickly was like, no, you know what? Like this is going well. I'm not having any problems. I don't feel like I need to drink. It was more just a curiosity. So like, let's continue this full-blown sobriety. And I did maintain that for quite some time up until, so I did almost another like year again. And then October hit. And this now was last year, so 2022. And it was October 2022, and I went on a trip with my dad to Greece. And the trip was beautiful, but, like, it was really hard on me to, like, kind of just be me and my dad. And there was a lot of, like, childhood stuff that kind of came up for me again, and it was very, very, very triggering. And not that like he's a bad person or anything like that it's just that like that relationship I think between a, a parent and a child the dynamic for a child changes a lot because you're you go from zero to let's say my age I was 32 at that time and it's like a lot changes you develop you change whatever but for them it's like he was 30 years old and he's 60 now like not a lot changed from 30 to 60 he's kind of still the same person your personality doesn't really change or develop over that time and so like for him he still treated me like this this little girl and like him and my mom are really close and they like to do everything together. And I'm a very like independent person. And so there was a lot of like, he always wanted to be near me. And like, and again, none of these things alone and by themselves are bad, but it just brought a lot up from my childhood, like a, a ton. As if like my therapist calls it like Pandora's box, where like, I don't think I had realized the extent to which that kind of relationship and treatment had impacted me. And it was just way 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 too much for me to bear and I came back from that trip and like I drank like I woke up the next morning probably around like 8 a.m and drank and for a full 12 hours and just like so much it's not even funny like I thought like this is it 
again, it got so bad so quick. Like I had messaged a friend saying like, I'm really worried. Like my breathing isn't normal. Like I'm, I'm not sure. Like, you know, like, I don't know if I'll be okay. And they're like, well, maybe you should call an ambulance. And then they called an ambulance and they like the ambulance showed up at my door and knocked just to make sure that I was okay. And, like it was just like very dramatic. And this was just like day one of me going back to drinking after again, almost a year again. And it got from like sobriety for a year to here we are again in this crazy, horrible spot. And I will just kind of like summarize this a bit by saying I had gone on to I am sober the app and posted a broken heart. And it almost makes me emotional just kind of thinking about this. Like the support, I didn't say anything, but I just posted a broken heart and like the support, like I, hundreds of people, my phone started going off. People were like from all around the world, like, I will call you. Do you need anything? Ashley, like we're thinking about you. You can like just that. I, I promise you like that saved me. That love and kindness from that community literally, literally saved my life that day. Community, right? Yeah. We understand connection beats addiction is my big motto, but that's what I remember so much of when you shared about the first episode, you just, you were in the community, you were hosting in the community. Yeah, it was just such a beautiful sight to see because Ashley Bear, Ashley Bear was everywhere. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So what happened from, from that moment? So from there, like, so that, yeah, that love really saved me. And then I think again, really, really, probably like the next day, I pro- like probably had to drink maybe a couple drinks to just to like manage the withdrawal symptoms basically from drinking for a day. But it wasn't like, oh, I went on this bender for a week or anything. Like I basically was like, holy shit, that was really bad and scary. I can't ever do that again. And then I like basic, I basically stopped again right away. I was like full, full, full blown sobriety. But I went to my therapist and I was like, this is what happens. There's still something, not to use the word broken, but like broken here. Like for me to be so good and so sober and then for it to end up like there's something here. And she's like, yep. Like, and that's where she, cause I was like, this is Pandora's box. And I think you finally uncovered a lot of where like you're probably drinking stemming from, which is probably a lot of trauma around like emotional neglect and never being able to feel my feelings, never being able to express my emotions and like always having to shut them down and then never having the simple tools that a lot of, I shouldn't say a lot of people, but that some people do get to develop in childhood, which is like managing emotion and knowing what to do with that and feeling it and not fight. Like it's a, it's a really big thing. It's a really big deal. And so we really started working on that together. And it was for the first time in my life where I was like, I think this therapy could help. I think that that relapse was mandatory in my growth. And like, I feel like at that point, I really, really, really changed. Like it was a huge pivotal moment for me. And because it was in October leading into like Christmas time, it was interesting because I got this opportunity during the holidays where like the company I worked for basically shuts down for a week and so they had shut down I was on vacation of course and then everyone else had kind of like it was this weird week in between like I think Christmas and New Year's where I'm always kind of busy and I didn't have any plans anyways I made it a point to like 
shut off my phone, shut off everything. And just, I wanted to like learn who I was again, because I felt like I had done all this work over the last couple of months, like managing certain things that I had trouble with and like some of those traumas. But I didn't, and I realized in that I had lived a lot of my life reacting to other people. So like walking on eggshells, not to piss off anyone in my family, always wanting to make other people happy. And it was all really just coming from a place of like trauma. Like I think it's like, fight, flight, freeze, fawning. And like, I was definitely fawning. And so I forgot what I liked. Like, I was like, well, I don't even know what I like to do anymore. I don't even know what my favorite food is. Like, I've been so programmed to just please everyone else. I had the disease to please. I just didn't know. So I took that time and I took that week and I kind of knew for me it would be something creative, but I basically like hung out here. I played piano. I sat down on the floor, like laid down and wrote nonstop, just like wrote whatever came to mind. I read books. Like I just got into this really creative space and I was like, holy shit, I feel so happy. Like I and I feel so fulfilled. I need to figure out how to maintain this. And in that week, I basically like kind of had this epiphany where I really like storytelling and I love sobriety (laughs) and what it's kind of given to me and done for me. And really at the center of that, that's like that piece around community. And really, I think if you kind of dig under community, what that is, is like vulnerability, right? And it's like that vulnerability piece amongst strangers that then creates community and then what we can build on that. And so for me, this idea of potentialized studio um, kind of came to mind. I was like, I want to create video content because I think video people can connect to the stories in a different and unique way because they actually see them. And then the other thing I wanted to focus on too is like diversity in stories. Now I think that social media is very different in that there's is there's definitely more diversity in the story and then also the people telling them. It's better, but I wanted to to really like keep that at the heart of it, keep community at the heart of it and culture, which is like awesome to be able to do it in Toronto because I think that's really what like Toronto is. And yeah, and so for me, it became this creative outlet It also became professionally, I work in diversity, inclusion, and sustainability. So like I kind of had some knowledge around that, very connected to the community already. So yeah, so then that's where that idea was born. And then potentialize, I came up with that name just because I think the reality is, is that everyone has the potential to like get here, to get to this place, to sober up, to work on yourself, to be better, to be at peace, to find people who love you, to find community, like all of that exists inside of you. And you can find it. And so that potential exists. And so potentialize is just this verb that I wanted to use because though the potential exists, it always takes action. So I wanted an action word. I wanted a verb. And so that's how I came up with potentialize. Oh, that's beautiful. I've taken a look. I've gone onto YouTube and I've seen all the work. Listeners, you got to check it out. There are so many stories on there from beginning to end. And it is so beautifully created. What inspired you to put the format together? Because they're movie-like. Yeah, it's kind of funny where the like ideas came from. Okay, so for me, it's like, I really like documentaries. Like I really, really love documentaries, but I really also want to stay away from what I call any content. So like, like intervention and like, because those as much as they're good, and I think in like I have certain friends for their recovery, they need that type of content to look at because it like scares the shit out of them that they don't go back. But for me, 
it invokes too much emotion. It's way too much for me to handle. Like for me, I watch those things and I'm like, I need to drink, like, I, like I need to deal with how I'm feeling right now. So that's just too intense. That type of content just doesn't work for me. And so I wanted to focus on the positive side because here I was, I mean, like speaking of you, it's like I'm in this recovery community and look at how you've blown up and evolved and you're doing all these amazing things. Like it, I was like, there is that. And then we have other people in the community where it's like there's people becoming authors or you have people starting like companies and like all these amazing things. And I was like, whoa, when they got rid of their addiction, they applied themselves like they're just crushing it. So I really wanted to focus on like that piece of it, like where folks are now. The story is important for context, of course. But yeah, so that's what I want to focus on. And then my biggest inspiration here, going to laugh, was from Nike and like Nike commercials. Because like you watch a Nike commercial and you feel motivated. So like why not take that like motivation to like, you know, put on your running shoes and go for a run to like apply it to sobriety. And I think like I think more about even like my generation, younger, like you thinking about those younger generations too. Like how do we motivate them and then also kind of make it look like it's pretty cool because it is really freaking cool. Yeah. It's like, just do it. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> Going on to YouTube, it almost felt as if you're rooting for the person that's in the story and he's telling the story and then you, he's just all pumped up. They're just... You know, it very inspirational. That's the word I'm I'm looking for. That's good. That's good to hear because that's definitely like what I was aiming for. And even just to like create conversation around it because I'm kind of thinking like, you know, what do you, what do you do with this work, right? And of course, there's the motivating and there's the one person that's going to see it and it's going to potentially help them. But I do think though there is a larger issue still potentially at hand, and that's around stigma and addiction, like. A lot of what held me back initially from ever getting help was like, people are going to judge me and they're going to think that I'm this, like, just make assumptions about me. I'm not even going to try and define it right now, but like, just what those things. And so like that held me back for a long time. Also, just education around what alcoholism looks like in all of its forms, right? Like, I was arguably you know, still doing a very, very successful job in the corporate world of volunteering, supporting community, like doing all of the things. And then I had this addiction and it's like, and but I never knew to recognize it as an addiction because I never saw that, you know, play out in intervention in A&E, right? Like it was always to use like kind of a typical thing, like a brown paper bag under a bridge, right? It's like, well, I'm not there, so I must not have a problem. And I wish that there was just this type of content like earlier on in my life where I could have thought, oh, like maybe I do have a problem or maybe I could cut it out and just see what happens and like get a little sober curious or maybe not every weekend I have to drink. Maybe I could just go out once a month and like built more of a, a relationship around it. I just think there's a lot of our culture still that not only the stigma, but supports it. Like I'm watching TV shows now, like on Netflix and it's like they go through a breakup and they go to a bottle. They do they go through this and it's like, no wonder that's how I dealt with my emotions because that's the way I'm taught in almost everything I watch. So I wanted to contribute to the content that we see also just in a positive way where it's like, no, you can crush it, you can kill it, you can go through breakups, you can do the good and you can do the bad and you can do it all sober. Ooh, I love that. I love that. I also wanted to bring up, I saw something on your social media. You did a meetup. Ah. 
I did not plan the meetup. I attended the meetup and filmed it. But yes, that was a sober meetup in Toronto hosted by my friend. His name's Marathon to Sobriety on Instagram. And yeah, he he put together that event. And like, just to speak to the Toronto scene of it, it's pretty cool. Like, it's almost becoming trendy. And I don't care if it's trendy or not, like whatever, call it trendy. But I don't think it's going away anyways. So it's a fad to stay, but it's like really cool. Like there's a huge community in Toronto planning all of these sober events in sober spaces. I even had in one of my films, Gail Lynch, who I featured, and she runs a company and she does bartending and it's all sober drinks, sober cocktails that she does. And it's like, and then she's showing up at all these really cool events. Right now there's pride going on in Toronto. There's a pride event just yesterday on Sunday that they did rollerblading, a sober event. So it's really like kind of blowing up, which is really, really cool. And it's another way to just meet people in community and connect with people and not have the pressure of drinking when you're doing it. Because there's just like there's so many fun ways to have fun (laughs) without drinking. Right. And it's just not necessary. And I think for so long, even in my own life and I see my own friends, it's like, well, the thought was that the only way to have fun is like to go sit down in a bar and drink or like to go hang out in someone's backyard or go to a camp, like all these things and drink, 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 drinking was the answer. And it's like, we weren't creating fun. We were almost so bored. We had to like drink to put up with it. You know what? You're absolutely right in, in everything that you're saying. It resonates so much with me and I, I'm sure it's resonating with a lot of the listeners. Sobriety, not only is it becoming trendy, but it feels good to be safe in your body. Yes. I saw that you also covered in your YouTube that bartender that we're talking about. T- tell us about her. I mean, it was an amazing way you put that together. And how, where did that inspiration come from? So Gail, oh, was so funny. So when I had started this, I like went up to my parents. They live up north and it's like very secluded. And so I was like, I'm going to go up north and really just like brainstorm around who I want to interview and things like that. And so I was like looking up articles and this is where I actually found Marathon to Sobriety to interview and also Gail. But Gail, like, okay, when I saw her face in a newspaper article right away, I was like, who is this wonderful lady? Like, she just is like such a character. And so I read her story and like, it was just so interesting. So she was, or I think still is hosting a lot of these like sober events in a spot in Toronto called Daniel Spectrum. And Daniel Spectrum is a community spot. It's a community hub where people in that area of Regent Park come together and like just hang out sometimes, you know, and it's just like they bring food, pizza, pizza, bring it in, sit down, either and they just hang out. So like that community is a very, very special community. So I kind of knew right away, knowing that she was hosting those events there, that it was going to be something very special and powerful. And so I basically, yeah, I just I just reached out to her and said, you know, can I interview you? And we had a conversation and she and so like her perspective is also interesting because she saw it as something that makes things more equitable, like the same way that I should be able to go to a work event and go up to the bar and get a beer or whatever your drink of choice is. Equally so, I should be able to get a alcohol-free drink. And also, I shouldn't have to kind of settle for that experience. And so Gail was all about the experience. Like, so cocktails are always like, you know, like handcrafted. There's a lot of like kind of art that goes into it, right? And it's an experience. 
And so she wanted sober people to have the same. And so that's where she came up with this idea. And so she, oh my gosh, she like, she grows a lot of the herbs that she adds to the cocktails. Like everything is like kind of like hand, like grown from home, handmade. And then also at events, like I've seen her work them and she'll even like talk to the person that she's serving, get to know a little bit about them and then create this, this alcohol-free cocktail. And so it's like this experience. And what's really cool too, and like people will have different maybe thoughts about it, is like these are alcohol-free drinks. And so everyone can come and experience this together and line up at the bar. So like, yeah, there was kids, right? But it's like, it's just, there's no alcohol, so it doesn't matter. And then think about like diverse communities where some folks won't drink for religious reasons, right? And it's like, what a way to create a barrier to cut someone out or just not simply be inclusive by only offering alcoholic drinks at an event or only having that experience around an alcoholic beverage like that's just so isolating and so I really love that like everyone was at that bar around Gail getting their handmade cocktails and yeah it's just really cool to see that's exciting I think all of these things is a true testament to what sobriety is because I, like I said, I heard your early, your story, how it, it began. Again, I'm going to refer to the episode 128. And then to see the evolution of you is just, for me, you were inspiring at that moment when I heard that first podcast for Sobertown. And for me, you're inspirational now because of everything that you're doing. Thank you so much. I don't feel like one, but I just feel like I'm having a good time doing this. And I feel like I benefited so, so much from this community and from this experience that it just like it feel there's a pull for me to like to also just give back. And like I think in AA rooms, like there's a common thing. It's like give back to the community that gave so much to me or something along those lines and like I definitely do feel that and sometimes like it's as simple as something like you know I'm too much in my head or I'm feeling maybe a little emotional about something and it's like the best way to get out of your head is to reach out and help someone else and so like these are just those small little ways that I can kind of contribute to that community. I want to ask you where I know we're not supposed to feature trip but I'm going to ask you the future trip question, man. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> Where do you see? What, what, like, let's wave the magic wand. What do you see? Just generally? Like, yeah, whatever. Make it your own, whatever it is. That's tough. It's, it's actually funny you asked me this. It's kind of at an opportune time in the sense that I just got back from a week-long trip in Costa Rica on a retreat. And what a beautiful experience. It was all around taming your inner critic. So that voice that constantly talks to me and tells me, I'm not good enough for you. I'll never maintain your sobriety. You know, all those things. It was also with my favorite author, who I've probably quoted a million times already today, Anne Lamont. And she's sober and she has been for over 30 years. And I'd say over 75% of the people on this retreat were also sober. And I also went to my first ever 12-step meeting in person in Costa Rica and in the middle of conflict, just incredible. But I had never been, I've never been to an AA meeting. I've never been to like an in-person recovery meeting. Everything I did was virtual. So I think for my recovery, one thing I learned from that trip is that 
I need to continue to connect in person. Like it's really going to be important for me because the other thing is, as I had mentioned at the beginning of our conversation, I don't really know anyone sober. Like, yeah, my friends get pregnant for nine months. They're sober, but then they're right back. Right? Like it's like, so I need that because I need people that I can just go for coffee with, go for a bike ride with, go for a walk with, like do sober things with. And these events are great, but like those are once a month. I just need more of that. So I think one of my future things is going to be that. And then, which is kind of like a small goal of mine and definitely attainable. And then I think if I think big picture, like I I really just want to continue with this filming work. It's just, it means so much to me. I get to meet like really, really cool people. And I just really want to continue to be thoughtful about diversity of stories in sobriety. And ultimately, I'd like to be able to use some of these videos for advocacy work to reduce or eliminate the stigma that exists around sobriety still. So to put faces to what addiction recovery actually looks like so we can get the right kind of support through corporations, through government funding, et cetera, and really accept that this is, you know, just as equal in terms of our mental health as something like anxiety and depression. And like, I can tell you, I deal with a lot of anxiety, really, really severe OCD. And I've been an addict. And like these things that they usually coexist, right? And so like, we can't come over here and kind of treat one and then hope it solves the other. We really need to open up the conversation, eliminate all stigma around all of these things and that that equally includes addiction. Yeah, this is beautiful. I'm so excited for you. I'm like, my friend, the filmmaker. <laughs> I really, I mean, I urge everyone that's out there to go check it out. We're going to put the links down at the bottom, all of Ashley's links. But you can tell the passion comes through this, the screen and she's doing something that is a beautiful endeavor. So let me ask you one last question. What would you tell? What would you say? What would it be your words of wisdom to somebody on their day zero or their day one? That if I think about what I would say to myself on day zero, like, honestly, it's very simple for me. And it's that like everything is going to be okay and that you can do this even though everything in your being tells you you can't and your body is physically reacting to withdrawal symptoms and telling you you can't that you really can and that if there's a few things you do first it's go find community like download an app if you like to interact virtually join the zoom calls that you guys host if you like to interact virtually go to an in-person meeting if that's your thing like find community and find people that have gone through something similar to you because the one thing that is a hundred percent true is that you're not alone and you will be empowered be empowered through story i think therapy can help but nothing is as powerful as someone sitting across from you telling you all of the horrible horrible things they did in their drinking career and now they're in this place where they've forgiven themselves, their family has forgiven them, their friends have forgiven them. When they thought all hope was lost, they kind of 
got it together and pulled through. And now they're sitting across this room or sitting across this Zoom and telling that story. And so I think it's just find your community. Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah. We're all, I mean, all of us at Silvertown, all of us, I know when I told Drifted about this interview, he was jumping up and down. <laughs> he was like, please tell her that, you know what? I, I want to give her a big virtual hug and thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Because everything, yeah, everything that you're doing is amazing. Well, I equally want to hug all of you guys too. It makes me emotional to hear that because like, I mean, we even kind of all known each other. Like I've known you through the app. I've known Drifter for a long time. And like in some of my darkest moments, and that's the one thing. Sobriety is not all like beautiful, like rainbows and like there's still very dark, dark days. Don't get me wrong, but that's the paradox of life and we have to accept and embrace it. But like you guys really just have been there for me so much. And, and I just appreciate it. Like I feel like indebted to you because You've just done so much for me in my recovery. Oh, that's a, that's so beautiful to hear. It's it's a equal exchange of energy that the, this is what we do. It's not one; it's all of us. Mm-hmm. And to see just your growth and your 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 beautiful endeavors moving forward, I just wanted to say thank you from the bottom of my heart. Thank you. <laughs> so, listener out there, please go take a look at Ashley's site we're going to have the link on there it's potentialized studio on youtube they're empowering stories and we're going to have her instagram link as well and if you get a chance if you want to hear how ashley bear began she's episode 128 and we're so so proud of you thank you so much thanks for having me thank you If you've enjoyed this podcast and found it helpful, tell a friend or someone you know, pass this podcast on. And my information is Viv, founder of SoberIThrive.org. I'm an internationally certified in addiction recovery, other known as a sober coach and a life coach too. My certifications encompass the neuroscience of joyful recovery roots of addictions, alcohol and its effects, dynamics of professional recovery coaching, motivation to change, right thinking in recovery, family issues in recovery, codependent behaviors in addiction, and ethical and legal issues in professional recovery coaching. Go to my website, soberithrive.org and book your free confidential 30-minute call. We can help create the sober warrior within you.